Welcome into the Octopus Podcast. I'm Nick DeLion with my co-host, Lucas Tashi. Today, a big club in Europe is going for sale. Abramovich is selling Chelsea. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to get into what the football world is doing to Russia. We're going to get into some Premier League action, specifically the top four race. And then we're going to get into some matchups for the weekend and place our bets. We hope you guys enjoy the show. What's up, Lucas? Hey, Nick. Not much. Uh, a lot a lot going on in the world today that is actually severely impacting the football world. But uh, there are greater things that are going on outside the football world. But this is a soccer podcast. So let's get straight into it. You guys all heard Nick's intro. Abramovich is selling Chelsea. He wants to find a seller by the end of this week. This week being uh, Friday, March 4th. He's hoping to find a seller. As of now, the rumors are that he potentially may sell to a Swiss uh, billionaire or an American foundation. So that's that's just insane. Uh, for me, I don't know. Abramovich is what changed so much into how the football world is today. Because if there was no Abramovich for Chelsea, there would be no Man City with the Saudis coming in. There would be no Newcastle. Abramovich was the first owner to take a stand and put in all these, uh, all his money to funding the club and helping the club grow. So without him, it's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think uh, if you look at the Premier League, right, him buying Chelsea was one of the uh, probably like the 10 most important things that ever happened in the Premier League in its history. He, uh, for, for what it's worth, right, he has been, in my opinion, probably the best owner in the, the Premier League. The amount of money that he's invested into the club, what he's like given to them, you know, the I mean, he's run through a lot of coaches, but that's just because he cares. He's held like such a high standard for the club. This, I mean, if you think about it, right, Chelsea was always a big club, but it wasn't as we know it today when yeah. when they were bought, right? They were looked at as kind of like a team that was always competing for the for Europe but never winning the title going on like fourth, fifth place, similar to what we see Leicester today, except, you know, Leicester won, but competing for those fifth and sixth spots consistently, uh, occasionally making the Champions League, winning some trophies along the way. So they were seen as a bigger club, but not not what they are now, right? Champions League winners, Premier League winners. He's, he's essentially changed the outlook of this club forever. And... I mean, his his statement, right? Like the sale, he's not taking any money from the sale. He's donating it all to the victims of the war in Ukraine. He uh, is forgiving all the debt that the club owes him. Let, let me jump in there and correct you on that. He is taking the money that he initially put in, but the net profit that he's making from the club is going to the Ukraine uh, refugees and helping Ukraine fight against Russia. So he is taking what his initial investment is into the club, but the net profit, so the pro, like just sales that he would get, is what you're will right. go to Ukraine. That's fair. Yeah, the net proceeds. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, still, still a great like move, right? Politically, I never thought he was going to sell it. 
like no matter how how crazy the pressure was uh with everything going on in Russia right I don't feel like uh I don't know I I just I am I crazy for thinking this Luke is like I don't feel like he had to do this you're not crazy in thinking that I was genuinely very very surprised that he decided to sell the club because last week he came out and said that he was going to uh shift over the shift over the reins to the Chelsea Foundation, the donation, they're going to be running the club. But hearing him sell the club, uh, he didn't really need to, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I don't feel like he did. Maybe maybe we're, we're like, over overblowing this uh, or, or not looking into this further, but I just didn't – I never felt like there was this pressure for him to sell, right? I understand yeah. that uh, – that the English government threatened to seize his assets, right? To freeze his assets. I apologize, but I just, I, I still didn't feel like that that meant that he was gonna sell, and I never felt like that public pressure for people being like fans coming out, being like sell the club. You know, I feel like it was contrary to to belief. I don't feel like Chelsea fans really wanted him to sell. You know, he's been so yeah. he's been so great to them uh, from that perspective. And listen, I don't. I don't know too much about what he's done on the like the political side of things or the bad things that he's possibly done or been involved in because I, I haven't looked too much into it. But I just know that he loved Chelsea so much and uh, he gave like everything he possibly could give. And no matter who buys this club, I don't feel like they will do the things that Abramovich did. I don't feel like they will have that level of impact, and I don't see. I will be very surprised if they continue to be uh, in the mix, you know, mm-hmm. because I don't. I, unless it's a Middle Eastern club, which uh, or a Middle Eastern, uh, you know, family or group or whatever that's purchasing this club, this club, which we kind, of, I kind of personally don't want. But I would love for him to just sell it to the fans. As crazy as that sounds. No, I'm with you. And he's there every single game, too, or most games. Like, he is a true owner. And, like, that's why no owner, I agree with you, no owner that's going to come after Abramovich is going to be as good as him. Uh, Like, the guys that they're rumored to be buying the club are American owners or Swiss. Like, we've seen what can happen with American owners. uh, And... With the Swiss, you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, they're all businessmen at the end of the day. But Abramovich seemed to be more of a businessman. He seemed to actually like really, really love the club and tried to better the club. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this is definitely something that we need to keep an eye out for. See who he sells it to, and what their intentions are with the club. Because this can be a crazy day for Chelsea fans, uh, for the worst. Because to be honest, I don't know if there will be any better for. Uh, the Chelsea fans with Abramovich. I don't know if there's going to be a, an owner that can be better than him. I agree. I I mean, don't you feel this way? Don't you feel like over the past like 20 years, he's been the best owner in the Prem? Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, no. no, 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 not the best owner. I'll say the best owner is the Leicester City owner. Okay. I was thinking that too. Okay. But he's in the conversation, right? He's in the conversation. The amount of money he's invested, like what he's done uh, for the club, what he's won, like, right, what the club has won while he's been the owner, uh, I mean, I just think that overall just been massive success for for him 
uh, and for the club, like their relationship. Leicester, Leicester's owner is f- fantastic too. Credit, full credit to to them. Uh, I believe it's like the son of someone who used to be a Thai billionaire. I can't pronounce his name, but yeah, but still, still, I do agree. But over the 20 years, right? I'm saying 20 years. He's had that massive consistency of always being good. We don't we don't sh- really uh, talk badly about him like we do the Glazers, like we do the the Cronkies, you know, uh, the the group that owns Liverpool. I forget if it's FMG. I can't pre- I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's looked at differently than those groups, and uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna be crazy to see what happens with them. At the end of the week, we may get a new owner. That's that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I mean. It's been a crazy 10 days for Chelsea. So uh, it's, the, like I said, something to watch out for. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Tuchel and the manager and the owner. Not the owner, the the staff in the back. It's just, I don't know. It, it's a crazy time right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think this is also a great segue to talk about what's happening in uh, Russia, right, with the uh, governing bodies of football, essentially removing all Russian teams, the national team from competing in any competition uh, involved by UEFA or FIFA. Uh, Russia is no longer involved in the World Cup uh, playoff, right? You know, all Russian teams have been removed from the, the Europa League from competing then. There are several teams, uh, national teams, that refuse to play Russia moving forward in any sort of sports activity. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Do you think that that's the the right move? Yes. Yeah. 100% the right move to get Russia out of the Euros, the uh, Europa League, whatever competitions they're currently in, get the Russian clubs and the international team uh out of it because it's greater than football at this point they need to fight back against russia and this is a way to fight back against russia because with the world cup especially with the world cup qualifiers being in uh march there's they still have a chance of getting in and if they don't get if if they have to forfeit their games then it's likely for Putin to be like, okay, I see my club is, uh, I see my country is not going to be able to get into the World Cup, and it's going to be like a really tough spot to put him in, because when it comes to the World Cup, there's so much nationalism, uh, national, am I saying the right word? Nationalism. Nationalism, uh, and uh you want to have your country there. You want to fight for your country. So saying no and not letting them play is a big step to get them to do the right thing. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I uh, I'm only concerned. I mean, listen, what what's going on is is horrible, right? And the, there needs to be pressure applied wherever it can be. Uh, I do feel like though that this is um, this is opening kind of uh, like an unprecedented situation, right, with uh, international bodies deciding to ban, uh, like, one nation from partaking in something but not banning other nations from partaking in and also awful things, right? So, so there, there's be, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that I disagree with the decision because I do agree 
with it. But at the same time, you know, they, they turn a blind eye to the situations that they want to turn a blind eye to. And because the national media is covering this specific issue, uh, they want to address this issue, right? Because it, it is within the media's eye. I think I think that what they're doing is correct, but this should also be applied to other situations if they're going to go this route. You know what I mean? Like what was being done in Qatar, they turned a blind eye to. Uh, what happens with like Saudi Arabia, right? Like the governing bodies, like the Prem, as an example, is someone that allowed this uh, a club to be sold to them despite all the situations that have occurred there. Uh, and what they've done to like Yemen as an example, right? So, I mean, if they're going to go this route, they have to go this route all the way. They're going to be open to criticism if they don't. And I think that this is a step in the right direction, but more more needs to be done in other areas as well, uh, besides this specific situation here, which I also agree is the right decision. And it, you love to see the fact that players are coming out, stepping up, speaking out. Uh, clubs are coming out, speaking out. Uh, you have the clubs are getting all these sponsors, Russian sponsors, kicked off their team. You have Manchester United, you have Schalke specifically, who had their main sponsor written off their jerseys. Yeah. Uh, you love to see things like that. You love to see the players are fighting against uh, playing in uh, Russia or playing for a Russian team. Like, it's things like that that... Everybody is uniting for Ukraine to for the better good. Uh, and it, it's really great to see. Yeah, I mean, I totally I totally agree. I think uh, I mean, and the thing that's crazy is there are uh, there are managers, right, that are that are in support or, or managing clubs that are for like Russia, as an example, like Sheriff, right? Their manager is Ukrainian. Uh, Sheriff is a pro-Russian club, although they're based in, I believe, Hungary. Uh, still, like he resigned after the Champions League fixture and went to go serve. You know, other players have done also the same thing. There are there are players in Russia, right, that are Ukrainian players that have asked for the contracts to end so that they can become free agents and either participate in the war or uh, go to other clubs, right, as a form of protest. I just feel like the, this direction is uh, the right way to to go, right? I mean. Like I said, we're not usually uh, like a political podcast or anything like that. But when politics sweeps into to football and this becomes something that we have to talk about, it's important to put a lay on it, right? We don't want to turn a blind eye to these kinds of things. And we're, we're always on the same page with these kinds of issues as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, have, you actually also have to call out uh, FIFA. For doing the right thing not fifa the organization fifa the game ea sports they kicked off yep. or kicked out every single russian club and kicked out the russian national teams uh nhl has come out and said that they're kicking out the russian national teams the bulgarian national team from their uh game so it's things like that that you love to see the uh, unity and uh support that ukraine is having yeah I agree. I agree. And like, you know, to to end that, I don't know. I don't know if what being I mean, people are going to say it's not fair to the to the players. Like for sure, it's not fair. But at the same time, there are bigger issues going on than just football. I understand football is a gateway to to the world interacting with one another. Right. But 
Uh, sometimes there are issues that are bigger, and this is going to be one of those situations. Yeah, 100%. All right, so I think we're in sync on you know both of these topics. Uh, so I think it's cool to transition to talk about the Premier League, right? Yeah, let's do uh, it. So with the Premier League, we're going to talk about the... I mean, do you want to talk about the matches that really occurred? Because... It was it wasn't too exciting. I mean, I know Tottenham smacked the leads. Bielsa is gone, right? We talked about that when yep. we were texting. Oh, we never talked about that. No, we no, never. I mean when we were texting. When we were texting, we, we did not talk about that. But we didn't talk about it on the pod. I we think it's a horrible decision. I don't know how you feel about it. I I disagree with that. Okay. I think it's the right decision because if you've seen Leeds' performances the last few games. Uh, what Bielsa does is he sticks with his tactics and formation and everything the same. And even if it doesn't work out, he just won't improve it. He won't do something to change it. You know what I mean? He was losing 4 nothing to Spurs, lost 6 nothing to Liverpool, lost 3 nothing to Everton. Everton lost 4-2 to United. Like, he sees that the team's not performing well and he just didn't change a thing. So I think the sacking is justifiable. I don't know if Jesse Marsh is the right guy for the job, though. I also agree with that. I mean, I, 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 in my opinion, right? They played. They played. I know the loss to Everton's horrible, right? But they played Manchester United. They played Liverpool, right? And they played Tottenham. So it's not like they played uh, bad teams the last three games. I understand they got blown out, right? Completely, totally get it. But they're going up against the easier side of their schedule, right? Like, their their remaining games, or their, at least their next six, right? They play Leicester, Aston Villa, Norwich, Wolves, Southampton, Watford. So, so winnable games. If Jesse Marsh is to take over and he's to, to lead them on the run, they need to win at least half of these games to have a shot, right? Because the mm-hmm. remaining six of their, like, six games of their schedule, within those games, they play Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal, right? So, so super tough, super tough uh, position to be in. They have to win these six games. I feel like they're in such a bad spot. But at the same time, when we talked about the the Premier League last week, right? We said anyone underneath thirteenth is pretty much uh, up for for relegation, right? With Newcastle's form, I think we can we can honestly remove them as well because they've shot up to fourteenth. So it's really anyone from 15th to 20th is going to end up getting relegated. We both think Watford and Norwich are done. So it's it's going to be these four teams uh, competing to not be in that last spot where Burnley currently is. Yeah, I actually like the like Newcastle. We said they a couple months back, they were in the 18th position and now they're in 14th. I think Leeds, if they can go on a run, they're going to be safe. Everton, it's actually very scary for Everton uh, so to be in position. Uh, I've actually never seen Everton be that low. Norwich and Watford, in my opinion, are already relegated. Yep. So it's just a matter of, like you said, uh, 16th to 18th. Even Brentford, I can see going down. All right. So I have a pop question. When was the last time Everton was relegated? And how many times have Everton been relegated from the top flight? Uh, 1984, and I want to say five. 
Wow. One was the last time that they were relegated. So and they they were in they've been in the top flight since 53-54. Right? Wow. So so almost 70 years they've been in the top flight. I'm pretty sure that's the longest run uh of any team. I have to double check that. Arsenal uh, Arsenal I think is the longest, Everton's the second longest. But they've only been relegated twice from the top flight in their in, in their entire history, right? So uh, absolute disaster. What the board's done to them is horrible. Uh, I predicted that they would continue to be horrible after the transfer window, and they have continued to make my prediction correct. But I don't know. I think I don't. I don't know if Burnley is going to get relegated, Lucas. In my honest opinion, I could see them making it. Uh, for for whatever reason, I just see it. I see them surviving. Burnley, I, I agree with. I just see I just see Leeds or Everton being one of those two teams that that ends ends up at the bottom. I mean Leeds's goal difference is minus thirty one. That's and like that's a- why I justify sacking Bielsa because he's a good attacking coach, but defensively he had no idea how to stop teams. I mean the best players are hurt too as well. Like that's a horrible mix for them, right? Horrible mix. And they have the worst defense in the league, like you were saying. Mine it's sixty goals conceded, like Super, super tough. More than Norwich, too. So, I mean, I think that says everything we need to say about the relegation race, right? Let's talk about the top fours. So, uh, give me your take on that. Arsenal has it secured. Congrats. (laughs) Really? Arsenal is in the best position out of all four teams, five teams that are fighting for that top four spot. They have three games uh, to play behind United and uh, West Ham. One game to play behind Spurs, and they're only two games back of uh, United. And if if Arsenal wins the game in hand on Chelsea, they're only two games back of Chelsea. They are in very, very good form, and their young players are starting to uh, really develop. And I think the game against Wolves, where we were talking about it live, they were down in the 85th minute, and then they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes. I think that's the game that really showed that it's very, very likely that they're going to finish in that top four spot. Yeah, I agree. My only concern is that just the amount of goals that they've scored, right? Because they're they're uh, they defensively and like in terms of like some of the midfield positions that they have are doing really well. It's just a matter of where are those goals going to come from for the remaining 14 games that they have to play. I would I would say they definitely do have the advantage for sure, but I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. I uh, I mean there's so much there's so much games left to be played, and uh, with 14 games they still they have so much uh, so much work to do, and they still have to score a lot of goals in order to clinch that spot. They're definitely way better than they they were last year. Like that the window that they had in hindsight was the best window that they've had in in that I can remember, honestly. You you know, you get Ben Ben White, you get Tommy Asu, you get Aaron Ramsdale, you, you sign Odegaard permanently. Like that's such a good window yeah, for them. Yeah. yeah, that's such a good window for them. And I mean you get you get basically four starters in that window. Uh I'm just excited to see what happens from here. I'm hopeful that they do get it, Lucas, but but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Right. Man Man United occupies that spot. And their form's been horrible, right? But tactically, they've been better. Yeah, and- that's the thing. That that If we can just talk about that for a second. Like, Renick has come in, and he's created the most chances out of any single team 
in the Premier League. He's created 160 chances, so that's most, and they've scored the sixth most goals, which is horrendous. Their XG, they should easily be getting uh, significantly more points. Significantly more points. Um, they should have beaten Watford. That's additional two points right there. Should have beaten Southampton. Additional two points. So that's four right there. Burnley, they should have beaten. That's four, uh, six points right there. They should have beaten Aston Villa. That is eight points. If they had secured those eight points, they would be in with 55 points in... Uh, 27 games, and they would be in a significantly better position than they're in. Yeah, um, which, which, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I I believe because of that, they, they're, they're going to eventually get into their gears and pick it up. I do, but also it's uh, I think it's too late for them to pick it up because the form of the teams that they're facing were significantly poorer than the teams that they're going to face now. So their next three games, not including the Champions League, are City Sunday, Spurs the following week, and then Liverpool. So United need to essentially win at least two of those games, and then they need to go on a run and beat Leicester, Everton, Norwich. They need to get three points at Arsenal. They need to beat Brentford, Brighton, and at least Crystal Palace. Of their next... Let's see, one, two, of their next 11 games, they need to win uh, eight games, in my opinion, to be able to be considered for that top four position. I think that's fair. I don't don't think that's feasible. Yeah, and I mean, five of their last 11 games, like you were saying, is against top seven teams. Yeah. So that's brutal. That's pretty brutal. But I I just feel like they could pick it up, right? I mean, mean, do I think they, they could beat Tottenham? I do. Uh, are they capable of getting a couple of shock results? Yeah, against Manchester City or Liverpool, possibly, right? But any other team on that schedule, they can beat. And I think with all the news going on with Chelsea especially, I think that there's a lot of pressure on that club. Uh, if I know they're out of the title race, but ba- because of the circumstances that are going on around them, right, they, they barely just beat Luton Town today. Yeah. Uh, if they were to still make the Champions League despite everything going on, that would be a great coaching job done and uh, a great season by the squad given the circumstances. Are you saying for Chelsea or for United? For Chelsea. For Chelsea. The I player- mean, they, no, 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 no. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think they were supposed to be competing for the title. They were. The, like- the, same, way, the same way that United should have been competing for the title, Chelsea should also be competing for the title. Uh, the fact that there's 16 points behind City, and if you go to week uh, game week like eight or nine, Chelsea were dominating, and then they just went on this really really bad run of form. I think Chelsea, if they don't get closer or like if they don't win the Champions League at this point, their season's a failure because they came to compete for the league. I mean, I I, feel, I I agree with you, but ultimately, uh, expectations change, right? I mean, with everything going outside of the club, you can't you can't tell me that you don't see them uh, faltering in terms of form, right? Like they could easily have a bad turn of form because of everything that's going on outside the club. Like there was a point last week, right, where there was talk of uh, 
his ass is possibly being seized so players are getting like scared like are we gonna get paid is that gonna happen you know so like that's that's my point the expectations of what has happened in the news has shifted the way i see chelsea at least and i see them as you know i see that they can be had right i could see i if you told me that they ended up outside of the top four this season i would believe it based on the outside circumstances I would believe that too, but I, I think that would be an extremely epic fail for Chelsea. I, I don't think that using the outside sources can be justifiable to say that Chelsea uh, haven't failed this season if they miss out on getting close to the league or would uh, miss, especially missing out on top four, 100%, because the same can be said for uh, United, same can be said for Spurs. They both had new managers. They both had outside uh, impacts to their team. And prior to the new managers, they were really poor. And now they're competing for that top four spot. But if you looked at it before the season, Spurs were supposed to be competing for at least top uh, top four. And United were supposed to be keep competing for the league. They finished second in the league last year. They signed Ronaldo Sancho, uh, Veron. And they should be competing for the league. But because Ole couldn't take them to the next step, it's still a failure of a season for Manchester United. The same concept in my head needs to be applied for Chelsea as well because Chelsea had just won the Champions League. They had beaten City. And they still had the same strong lineup and they improved their team as well. They got Lukaku. They got Sal. Like, they have healthy players. And Chelsea should be competing for the league. So if they don't compete for the league or if they don't win the Champions League, it's a it's a failure of a season, in my opinion. Okay, I think you bring up some really good points there, especially how you uh, talk about the circumstances that happened to Tottenham as well as Manchester United. So I think that uh, your points are definitely reasonable and you've probably swayed me on nice. what I thought about Chelsea. So pretty, pretty, pretty well done by you. Oh, all right, so I think with that, I think with that being said, right, we can we can continue uh, to move on, right? So yeah. we went through the prime. We talked about the top four race. I think it's time we get into some uh, matchups that we like for this weekend. So Do it. we always we always usually just go through the the Premier League together. Yeah. Before yeah. we we divvy up the remaining uh remaining like four leagues. So what do you think stands out to you? Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to know your picks, but you go ahead. I mean, uh, you see me, we're recording this. You see me smiling on the camera. There's only one game that really catches my eye, and it's a game that I'm going to be tortured on Sunday for. Uh, Manchester City versus Manchester United, the Manchester Derby in the Etihad Stadium. Ugh, it's going to be... I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like, but hopefully it's not worse than the last game because the last game that United and City played, it was absolutely one of the worst games I've ever seen Manchester United play ever. So it's only going up from here. Yeah, but we'll see. That's that's the one game that really catches my eye. Another game actually is Liverpool versus West Ham. Yes, that's a great matchup. Uh. West Ham currently in fifth, but the last time Liverpool and West Ham faced, West Ham won. Yeah, I, so, I was thinking the same thing as soon as you said that as well. Yeah, 
And it's a shame, right? Because even though West Ham won last time, Liverpool is still a minus 360 favorite. And that's kind of annoying. That's kind of annoying, right? Um, I agree with you. Ultimately, those are the two fixtures that catch my eye the most. Uh, going into La Liga, right? I mean, we have Real Betis versus Atletico Madrid. Barcelona, right, have entered the conversation. Uh, we, I, I never thought that they were going to be in this position. Their form has completely changed the signings that they made, right, with Aubameyang, Traore, Ferran Torres. Like, we thought that only Ferran Torres was going to be really good. We were, we were wrong. All three have been very impressive for them. Yeah. And Barcelona entering top four, right? The fixture with Real Betis and Atletico Madrid becomes ever so important because Barcelona is only one point behind Betis and they have a game in hand, right? Atletico Madrid and Real Betis are also separated by one point with the same amount of games played. So this game between the two of them is so important. Uh, Massive game, probably the biggest game in La Liga, in my opinion. And then we have Real Madrid versus Real Sociedad, first place versus sixth place. Real Madrid almost drew uh, last weekend against Real Vallecano. It took, you know, basically a, a, a goal by Karim Benzema in the last, like, 10 minutes of the game to, for them to, to go through. And uh, I think this is another fixture that's going to be very important to Real Madrid for them to maintain their lead against Sevilla because Sevilla has continued to be impressive, right? I mean, Real Betis, Atletico Madrid, you know, Barcelona. Barcelona has risen. Real Betis has been consistently good. Atletico Madrid has been disappointing this year. But the one thing for sure about La Liga is that Real Madrid and Sevilla have been consistently great and consistently been the top two teams in the league this year. Yep. Yep. 100% agree with all that. But yeah, we have to give praise to Xavi Hernandez. As the manager of Barcelona, he's turned that team around. Like, honestly, very, very impressive. Very, very, very well played. Very, like, good to watch. Right? They scored four against Athletic Bilbao, I think. I mean, they've been con- continuously scoring pretty well for him. So he continues to do uh, a good job. Exceed expectations, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So let's just jump into the Serie A where there is some juicy matchups, uh, especially for the title picture. Um, first, we have Roma versus Atalanta, which is going to be a top four battle but that game last game that they had Roma won 4-1 this should be a score fest as well uh if Roma can get the three points on uh Atalanta they're gonna be tied on points however Atalanta do have that game in hand but the matchup of the weekend first versus second 27 matches played 57 points Napoli versus Milan wow this is, we talked about Serie A a couple of weeks ago, and we said there were three matchups that really are going to decide the league. Napoli-Milan, Inter-Milan, Inter-Napoli. Inter-Napoli happened, uh, Inter-Milan happened, where Inter-Napoli tied 1-1, Milan beat Inter 2-1, this is the third of the matchups. If me, Whoever wins this game is going to be cruising towards that Serie A title, in my opinion. Uh, Of course, Inter has the game in hand. They're at 55 points. But if Napoli can win, with the 30-goal differential they have, with the form that they're in, they're going to be in a great, great position. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's crazy because I feel like every week we look at the the table and Serie A and every week it changes like dramatically within the top of the table. Yeah. Juventus have like entered themselves into the conversation, but their form's been been honestly like not that impressive. Atalanta has also lost two of their last five and only one really one game in their in the last five games, and it's been recent. Roma's been like inconsistent as well, uh, so it's just it's gonna be crazy to see what happens. Inter's form has fallen off too, man, and then Napoli has started to kind of pick it up again. So this is probably the most entertaining league that's going on right now. We still have no idea what's going to happen. It's between these three teams. Uh, Juventus has somehow entered the conversation. And it would be crazy if they won it at the end or if they entered the, the, the title picture at the end. But crazy, crazy uh, season from Serie A. The Bundesliga doesn't really have much going on except for one game, right? Bayern Munich against Bayer Leverkusen. First versus third place. Their form has been essentially the same. They've both won four of the last five. Uh, I don't know if this game will be competitive because Bayern usually dominates these big games no matter who the opponent is. So I just see that this will probably be more of the same. Yeah, more of the same. Standings haven't really changed. It's Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen. I mean, even Dortmund's been dropping points. Bayern's been dropping points as well. It's not as, like, clean cut, but, I mean, Bayern is still dominating. Uh, fully expected. 14 points ahead of Leverkusen. <laughs> actually yeah. insane, man. And they have the same games played. Uh, and nearly, they actually have more goal differential, double the goal differential than Leverkusen. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That is crazy, double actually. The goal differential. Yeah, so Bayern, Bayern's got to be a surefire pick for that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last league, league on. There's not really much going on. However, there is PSG versus Nice. Uh, but yeah, there. It's pretty much the same story as uh the Bundesliga. But PSG versus Nice. It's first versus first versus third. Um, it's gonna be a good one. But I mean, PSG have 16 points ahead of Nice, and you fully expect PSG to win. So I uh, did Nice beat them last time? I don't remember. Uh, I have to double check. We'll nice see. did beat them in the French Cup on penalties. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time, because I, I I don't remember it being in the league, but in the cup they 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 won. So, uh, you know, it's not set in stone, but I we expect PSG to win that game for sure. And then I think we are on to our favorite segment of the week. Uh, Nick, how is your bankroll doing right now? Uh, so, I mean, I lost all three uh, fixtures. I honestly did not like any of the games that I ended up picking. Uh, it was unfortunate. Sometimes it happens, right? But, like, the, the important thing is that we continue going. I know we were, I think, a combined one of six, right? So I think this time we're only going to do two bets each. Yeah. Uh, I, felt, I feel like you felt the same way. We kind of spread ourselves thin. Uh, there wasn't games that we really liked or bets that we liked, and we still gave the picks anyway. So if going forward we find that there's not that much that we like, we should just move to two picks each. And I think that's the case for this weekend as well. Yeah. I mean, we started doing three picks because there was that Champions League fixtures, and we had an extra game to work with. But, I mean, 
last week we really tried to find something that wasn't the best. Um, but I guess I'll get us started for this week. Uh, my first one is actually related to our topic earlier about Bielsa, Jesse Marsh, and it is Leicester money line versus Leeds at minus okay. 130. Uh, as we mentioned, Leeds have just not been good at all. Um, they've let up 4 0 to Spurs, 4 2 to United, 3 0 to Everton, 6 0 to Liverpool. I fully expect Leicester with Jamie Vardy back, with Daka being informed, James Madison being informed. I fully expect this team uh, to win in 90. I think that's a good bet. I have um, I have Man City Liverpool in a uh, money line parlay. Ooh. Uh, so so you get it for minus 134 odds, right? So you essentially uh, almost double your your money. A ten dollar bet gets you seven seven dollars and fifty cents. Uh, I like both of these teams to win, especially because of the fact that Liverpool lost against West Ham earlier. And I don't know, man. I mean, Man- Manchester United could win this game for sure. Uh, I could I could also potentially see, and I'm talking myself into uh, Liverpool and Arsenal being the par- parlay bet. So I'm gonna lock that in instead because you get them at plus 100, and I, I like the better odds there. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Arsenal against Watford, uh, I think that's a better bet. And I, especially after last week, United faced Watford. I think Watford's luck has run out. Uh, Arsenal is definitely gonna get the three points against Watford there. All right, yeah. So that'll be my first one. Uh, my next one, I actually have Newcastle beating Brighton at plus 170. Oh. Newcastle's just been in really good form, and Brighton has not. Uh, yeah, Brighton, Brighton's lost their last three games, and Newcastle has been, I think, unbeaten in four of their last five, or or have been unbeaten in five and, and won their last four or five or something like that. Been great form. Uh, so I, I just like Newcastle there. You get more than plus odds, and I feel like if you want to go the, uh, the draw no bet route, right, you still get Newcastle at minus 110. I like that. Yeah, so I really like that as well. Uh, and I just I feel like that's a that's a good bet in my opinion. You know, you get you get essentially double uh double like odds at time no bet, and you get plus one seventy for Newcastle. All right, so that's my second bet. Uh no, I really really like that. Uh honestly, that was one that I was looking at, and Newcastle man, they've been. We said they had one of the best transfer windows, them and Juve. Both those teams really have stepped up since January. Yep, agreed completely. My second bet is going back to that Roma versus uh, Atalanta game. It is Roma tie no bet minus 115. Okay. Uh, Roma is home. They're in great form. Not great form, I wouldn't say. But they, they beat Atalanta in the last game. They want the three points. I think they're going to get the three points. Um, they actually have some quality players that they, they should be able to compete against Atalanta. Uh, so that's, that's my second bet. I think that's really good. Uh, I'll, I'm just scrolling because I like to, I like to look through the odds. The one thing that's kind of funny is, uh, Bayern Munich Leverkusen, right? Bayern's minus 270 to win. Uh, Lewandowski is minus 320 to score. So Lewandowski has, uh, 
is more of a favorite to score than Byron is to win, which I think is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty impressive. But more importantly, what's our boy Sabitzer at? <laughs> Minus 105. <laughs> Why? Dude, that makes no sense. No, dude. Minus 105 for Sabitzer. Uh, yeah, I'm you know, if they opened if they opened uh odds to to bet against, right? We would we wouldn't even be doing this podcast anymore. We would have made a living off of Sabitzer, uh, and the odds that they give him every single game. I think I think one thing we would also both you and I wanted to bet, but we didn't see it on FanDuel is uh, Vlahovic anytime goal scorer. Yes. Right. So I think Juventus is playing Spezia. Uh, Vlahovic every single game that he's played in so far for Juventus, he's been given plus odds to score. We both also like that bet. It's not on FanDuel yet. Uh, once it does, we, we both also recommend that you guys bet that one as well because I will for sure be betting that. Another one that I was going to bet on is actually, and I couldn't find it, Man City over 10.5 corner kicks against uh, United with, well, no, both of them combined to get over 10.5. Like I mentioned last week, whenever Man City is going to have a possession-based game, where they need, they're going to attack, 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 and then somebody is going to play more defensive, which I expect United to do on Sunday. Uh, you go, you're going to expect a lot of corner kicks, a lot of saves from uh, De Gea going out to get corners. Um, so over 10.5 corners, I really like that play. Yeah, the corners are always good for, for Man City. Yeah, yeah. Last night, last night in their FA Cup game, they hit 11 corners in the first half. Like, insane. Yeah. Usually when they dominate teams, that's what ends up happening, right? I don't believe they – I don't remember if they got to 10 against uh, Everton, right? Like, if the combined game did. They didn't or they did? Oh, they did not. Yeah, but, but usually when they dominate a team, they get more corners, right? So if you think Man City is going to beat the snot out of a team, then you want to take the, you want to take the corners back. Yeah, agreed. All right, Lucas, I think we had such a smooth, fast podcast today. Just rapid fire, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Yeah, overall, great, great uh, job. And we will continue to have fun and enjoy them, Tuckers. We will continue to have fun. And also, we have to to give a little plug as well. Uh, if you're not following us on the Instagram, you have to follow us at, at Off the Post Footy. We post some nonsense sometimes, but like I don't know. Sometimes it's it's relevant stuff. Uh, we will be planning on posting more there, some updates as well. So feel free to follow us on the Instagram to just make sure you're getting all your footy updates. Uh, and yeah, like Nick said, enjoy them techers, everybody. For sure. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you next week.